There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. In the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter number three. I know it seems like we're doing an exposition of Leviticus, but in reality, we're looking at these offerings, and they just so happen to come chapter by chapter. But we're looking at the offerings, and tonight we're going to look at the peace offering. The peace offering, it's in the third chapter. We've looked at the burn offering, the meat or the meal offering would be a, a better title for it, the meal offering. And then tonight we'll look at the peace offering. Leviticus chapter number 3. We'll read the entire chapter, and then we'll go over to chapter number 7 and read a portion of that. So if you want to take your finger and put it in chapter number 7, verse 11, we'll read over there. But Leviticus chapter 3 and verse 1. If his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the uh, 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 the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering of an offering made by fire unto the Lord. The fat that covereth the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards and the kidney of the two kidneys and the fat that is on them which is by the flanks and the call above the liver which with the kidneys it shall uh, it shall he take away and Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice which is upon the wood that is on the fire it is an offering made of fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. And he shall offer a lamb for this his, for his offering. Then shall he offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about the altar. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offerings of an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat thereof and the whole rump, and it shall uh, he take off uh, hard at the backbone, and the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is uh, by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys it shall take, he it shall excuse me, it shall he take away, and the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. And if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. The sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereupon, thereof upon the altar round about. And he shall offer thereof his offering, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. The fat that covereth the inwards and all the 
fat that is upon the inwards and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them which is by the flanks and the call above the liver and the kidneys it shall be it shall he take away and the priest shall burn them upon the altar it is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor all the fat is the lord's and it shall be a perpetual statute of for your generations throughout all your dwellings that ye eat neither fat nor blood now turn over to chapter number 7. We'll pick up reading in verse number 11. We'll read down through verse 21. Leviticus 7 and verse 11. This is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offerings, which ye shall offer unto the Lord. For if he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with a sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering unleavened bread which uh, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving for his peace offerings. And of it shall offer one out of the whole oblation of the heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priest that... Uh, uh, that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings and the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for the thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day uh, that he offered the sacrifice and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned with fire. And if any flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither uh, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it, offereth it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth it shall uh, bear his iniquity. And the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten, it shall be burned. With fire, and as of the as for the flesh, all that be clean shall eat thereof. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertaineth unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from the people. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing as the uncleanness of man or any unclean beast, or any abominable thing, and eat the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which pertain, Lord, even of that soul shall be cut off from the people. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we've read a large portion of what we'll be talking about, this peace offering. And we'll be looking at other places in the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the instruction of your word. Father, we know that no portion of your word is placed there for just happenstance or placed there without a purpose and a meaning. Father, we pray that you'd give us spiritual discernment, that the Holy Spirit of God would enlighten the minds of those that know the Lord Jesus to help them see the truth therein. Father, we pray for those that are here tonight that are darkened by the God of this world. They know not the Lord Jesus. We pray that Jesus Christ would be clearly seen in this peace offering. And God, we pray that they would come and receive the peace that only God can give through Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray you'd give us instruction. Bless our hearts by your word. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. There have been a lot of people down through the ages that have talked a lot about peace. There have been a lot of uh, peace prizes that have been handed out 
uh, down through time to different folks who have trumpeted an, a, a, an idea of peace. But there have been very few years of peace in this old world since its beginnings. In the past 5,600 years of recorded history, there have been 14,531 wars that have been fought and only 292 years of worldwide peace have been experienced. That's a lot. That is so very few years of peace compared to this world's uh, history. And you see, peace is something that this old world wants desperately. It's longed for throughout all the ages. I don't know if you know or noticed or not, but the Jewish custom to greet one another is the word shalom. Have you heard that? A, a Jew will approach another and he will say shalom. And the proper response is shalom. Even when they depart, they say shalom. It is a word that on the surface means peace. But in reality, it is an idea that means health, welfare, wholeness, soundness, harmony with God. You see, there's more than just peace that is communicated with the word shalom. The offering of our focus tonight, the peace offering, is pronounced, I practice this before church, shalim. Shalim is a whole lot like Shalom. The meanings are very similar. You see, Shalim, which is the reference to our peace offering tonight, it means more than just peace. It has an array of applications and beautiful pictures for the Christian life. And so I want to take for a little while and show four aspects of this offering that will bring blessing and spiritual nourishment to our lives when we dig into this peace offering. So there's four different aspects of this offering I'd like for you to see. The first aspect I want you to see is the differences in the peace offering. The differences in the peace offering. Now I read in your hearing all of chapter number 3. Chapter number 3 was very similar in some respects, to chapter number 1, which dealt with the burnt offerings. If you'll notice how that there are very similarities between the two, how that, how that, there, uh, that there's a certain assignment of offerings, whether a bullock, a sheep, or a goat, that are assigned animals that are assigned or acceptable for sacrifice. And the slaying of the animal is the same. The man that brings the sacrifice, he is the one that places the head, his hand on the head of the animal and slays the animal by slitting its throat. And then also the sprinkling of the blood, very similar to the offering. That blood is sprinkled all around that, uh, uh, that altar of the offering. But I want you to know there are some glaring differences in the peace offering opposed to the burnt offering. There's some glaring differences that I want to bring out. The first is this. I want to bring out the difference of the spontaneousness of the offering. A spontaneous offering. Now we know from the teaching of previous week that the burnt offering and the meal offering were not under compulsion. Okay? God did not demand they be given. But God did say that they would be given every morning, 
and every evening. No matter who brought them, someone had to bring them, either in the morning or in the evening. And every day there was a burnt offering and a meal offering and a burnt offering and a meal offering every day. The difference with the peace offering is that it was completely spontaneous. There was only one day in a year that we were required to give a peace offering, and that was on the day of Pentecost, the the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost. They were required to give a peace offering. But other than that, any old time could do. You could bring a peace offering any time. There was no compulsion. But that did not mean they went an entire year having a peace offering. No, day by day, hearts filled with thanksgiving and gratitude to God bring a peace offering to God all the year long. Whenever they were personally moved, I think about in verse number, uh, in chapter number 3, how it talked about the bullock, the lamb, and the goat. Now, I don't think it specifically said for the goat, but it did say for the bullock and the lamb that they could be a male or a female. You'll remember in the burnt offering, it had to be a male without blemish and without spot. Here we see the convenience of it. It was more of a thing where God said, male or female, if it's, if it's blemish free, if it's spotless, you can bring it. You can bring whatever moved you, whatever, uh, whatever moving emotional thing that you want to convey to God, you can bring it to the house of God. You see, it was a spontaneous offering. But also, it was a shared offering. Now, meat offering, you remember that? And, and in the burnt offering, how much, it's quiz time, I'm going to make sure you listen to me, how much of the meat offering and the burnt offering did the offerer take home with them? Does anybody know? Crickets, crickets. None. Not a bit of it. All the burnt offering was given it was given completely to God, burned on the altar. All of the meal offering was given, some handful given to God, and the rest were eaten on by the priest, and the offer went home empty-handed. Not so with the, with the peace offering. We read in chapter number 7 how they were to eat the remaining portions of the offering. The liver Uh, The portion of the liver and the kidneys and the fat was given to the Lord, placed on the altar, but the rest of the animal, I mean, you're talking about a bullock, you're talking about a large portion of meat that was left unsacrificed. It was to go to the offer. What a wonderful uh, picture. This man brings an offering God takes the best part. We would we would call it the the best part there, and I'll go into that. Let me get back here into my notes. You see, the remaining portion would be would be eaten by the priests and the worshiper. Now, when you say, "Well, what, brother Ronnie? What's all this fat about?" If you did you read it? Did you read it in there? The the fat. Thou shalt offer unto the Lord, and the fat shall be burnt on the altar, and the fat shall be... It is repeated time and time again. Well, even though we may snarl our nose at the fat these days, in Bible times, the fat was seen as the 
best part of the animal. As the richest and best part of the animal. Genesis 45 and 18. Joseph is talking to his father Jacob and, and convincing him to come to Egypt. He said, take your, he said, and take your father and your households and come unto me and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt and ye shall eat the fat of the land. When he's talking about the fat, it's talking about the very best part of the animal. The, the, what they would consider the most delicacy part of the animal, they would, it was off limits to the offer. It was off limits to the priest. It belongs solely to God. But the rest of it, I mean, that roast and that, uh, that leg and that uh, side of beef, yeah, all the rest of it, they could eat. But the best belonged to God. Notice third of all, in the difference in this offering, we've seen the spontaneousness. We've seen the shared offering. I want you to see it is a celebrated offering. Not only was the given to them, the offer comes, animal sacrifice, it's dissected, it's pulled apart, the inwards and the fats taken off and the kidneys and these specific parts are placed on the fire and they got all the rest of this meat left over. Not only was it the offers to take and the priest to take, but the offer didn't have to take it home. He pulled up a chair right there in the midst of the tabernacle and ate that meal and began to eat the remainder of that sacrifice. You see, it was a celebration. It was a table spread. It was a time of fellowship in the outer court. The worshiper was invited to sit down and eat the meal with the priests in the house of God. It was a celebration. Deuteronomy 12, 6 and 7. Listen to how it describes the peace offering. He said, In thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices with your tithes and heave offerings in your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and flocks, and ye shall eat it, ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand in unto, and ye and your household therein, the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. You see, it was to be a time of gladness, a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing. When you take these aspects together, now you think about it. The spontaneous nature, the, the sharing of the blessing of the offering, the, the celebration that is reflected, there, it really speaks to me about worship. Worship. What we're supposed to be doing tonight, the spontaneous sacrifice of rejoicing. That heart that would overflow. Oftentimes I think of, of Miss Tilly and some of you here tonight you'd all of a sudden just break out in a thanksgiving unto God. You'd give a testimony. God's been good to me and He saved my soul and He, he, he answered my prayer. That's that spontaneous nature. Hebrews tells us that our sacrifice today is not blood and and goats. It's the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips. This spontaneous nature seems to speak to me of worship and then offering our best. 
Oh, listen, when we come into this place, we're not to come in with the slipshod of resting in the back of the pew, saying, well, bless me if you can. We're to come eager, sitting on the end of our pew, ready to offer our best in our singing, our best in our giving, our best in our concentration upon God's Word. It speaks to us of our sacrifice. We have the intent. And then also, what's so amazing, worshiping God is that we'll come in and you ought to have a heart willing to work and praise God willing to come in and give God glory but you know what happens when you come in with that kind of attitude most of the time you walk out that door you're blessed you're full God fed you you came to give something to him and you walked away filled with what God gave you you see, it's a, it's, it's a testimony of what our worship is to be. A, a peace offering, spontaneous in its nature, shared between us and God and celebrated. A time of rejoicing, a time of celebration of what God has done. You see, that's the difference in the offerings. But now I want you to see the demonstration of the offerings. The demonstration. Well, if these were uh, were spontaneous, then when did people give peace offerings? When were they demonstrated? When did they act upon this opportunity to give uh, offerings? I want you to see, first of all, that they were offered in times of want. In times of want. In Judges chapter number 20, after the children of Israel had made a confederation to come after. Uh, we talked about this some on Wednesday night. Had they made a confederation to come after the Benjamites who had, uh, who had, uh, who had basically approved of a sodomite, a wicked, vile, perverse act that had happened. And the children of Israel came against them. And when they did, they lost the battle at Gilgal. And so they retreated in, in Judges chapter 20. They retreated to Bethel. And in verse 26, it said they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord, confessing sin and asking for peace to be made between them and God. You realize that God heard and God accepted that sacrifice. And in doing so, God gave them, God gave them, the uh, best way I can say intel on how to about winning this battle and they went back to the same place fought the same people and this time prevailed in battle you see a peace offering may be made in times of sickness it may be made in times of pain it may be made in times of want and war and battle and discouragement. Oh, but it is the perfect time to bring a peace offering unto the Lord. It's the time that we lift up our cry in praise to God. It's the time where you say, I'm going through the valley, but I'm going to praise God anyhow. I'm going to, as Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, listen, we need to be like Job and offer that sacrifice of praise, that peace offering to give unto God, even in times of want and difficulty. Not only are it, is it in times of want that they gave peace offerings, but also times of reception as well. In 1 Samuel chapter number 1, Hannah, that, that 
a woman uh, that was married whose womb was shut up. She could not have a child. He gave her, he gave, she came and pled with God and begged God for a child. She vowed a vow. God, if you give me this child, I'll back to you. And lo and behold, God did exactly what he asked her, what she asked him to do. God gave her a child. And and on his, uh, when he was weaned and he was about three years old, she brought him back to the temple to give him back to the service of the Lord. And you know what she did? She brought a peace offering. She brought a free will offering unto the God. Unto God. She brought an offering uh, uh, listen, has God ever been good to you? Has God ever answered a prayer? Listen, that is a good time. That is a wonderful time. That is a biblical time to raise a peace offering. To give God that which is do- just out of thanksgiving. Just out of blessing. God's been good to us. And we ought to give Him that peace offering. In times of want. In times of recept- uh, reception. But also... In times of wealth, peace offerings were also given in times of unexpected blessings. Blessings you didn't even ask for. In Ezra chapter number 1, the people of God had been exiled, but God took of King Cyrus and said, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send all the people of back to their homeland. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to dip down into my coffers and I'm going to pay. I'm going to give you whatever you need to rebuild your temple, to establish your religion, to establish your worship for God. I mean, blew them away. Right there in chapter number one, you find people coming and bringing that free will offering, which is a subset of the peace offering. You see, in times of unexpected wealth, you ever had God, you ever had God do something for you that you didn't even ask for? God do something just out of His grace and mercy that you never expected Him to do? Well, that's a perfect opportunity to offer God a peace offering. A peace offering of thanksgiving and blessing unto Him. Oh, listen, you talk about an unexpected blessing. I wonder, have there been times when God blessed you and you never asked for it? A time when He not only just, when He just not only give you the cake, but He put the icing on top of it? Oh, you know what I think? I think there are some peace offerings in this room tonight that are long overdue. I think there's some peace offerings that have been pent up way too long in this place. God has been good to us. God has given us things we never even asked for. God has answered our prayer. God has been there through valleys and storms and trial. Praise God. We ought to give our peace offering to Him. We ought to stand up and unexpectedly throw our hands up to God and say, you've been good to me. I bless the name of the Lord. I glory in His presence. I give Him praise this evening. It ought to be a time when you pull over and you share that offering. You come in with your best, giving it to the Lord, and God blesses you in return. It ought to be a time where we come in here and not just sit on the back of that pew expecting me to poke you somehow and make you get a little bit emotional and make you do, do something. And just but despite the preaching, despite the singing, just stand up and praise God and rejoice in His goodness. That's what this peace offering is all about. 
God doing what only He does. God getting only what He deserves. It is the demonstration in times of walk and reception and wealth. That's two of them. Let me look at the third, the third aspect of this peace offering. I want you to see the depiction of the peace offering. The depiction. What I mean by that is what is being depicted in these peace offerings. What is God saying to us in these peace offerings? First thing I want you to see is emotional engagement. If you'll notice in these peace offerings, that God not only wants the fact, which I told you is what? The best part. God wants our best. He wants our first fruit. He wants our first tenth. He wants our first from the fields. He wants the first of our day. He wants the first of our meal. He wants the first of everything from us. But he also kept asking for the kidneys. Did you notice that? The kidneys. You'll take the kidneys and you'll put them on the altar. You'll take the kidneys you'll put them on the altar. What in the world is that talking about? Well, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, the kidneys are seen as the very seat of the emotion. Let's put it this way. What we depict as our heart, the seat of our emotions, the place of our emotion, of our engagement, of our attachment, is seen as the heart. In the Old Testament, it was seen as the kidneys. So basically, we could interchange those two and say the heart is the same as the kidneys. It's that innermost part. It's that innermost thing. Matter of fact, in Psalm 16, 7, David said, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins, R-E-I-N-S, speaks of his kidneys, that innermost part of him, that most tender place in his body. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. You see, we are not to be religious robots. All right? You are not a religious robot. The God that I serve is a God that is real. He is a God that I can rejoice over. He is a God that I get excited about. He is a God that thrills my soul. He is a God that makes me happy. He is a God that gives me joy. I am not an emotional robot. I am not a religious robot. He is saying, I want you to have heart. It's all right to come into this place and every now and then shed a tear for crying out loud. How God blessed you and been good to you. We are not to be religious robots. If there's ever any place where we should not be emotionally disconnected, it is in within these four walls of the house of God. Praise is always visible. It's always vocal. It's always public. Every time you find praise, Oh, a lot of people say, I'm praising, I'm praising the Lord in my heart. Well, it's unbiblical. Praise is always vocal. Praise is always visible. You see, it is that peace offering that tells us you are to be emotionally engaged with God. Oh, listen, I know what some of you are thinking. What about all this wildfire and emotionalism? Listen, 
There's enough wet blankets in this Baptist church. Any wildfire gets up, we'll put it out in a heartbeat, all right? You don't have to worry about that. Man, I, sometimes I just want to take your pulse and just make sure you are still alive in this building tonight. We are the people of God. We've been saved from the wrath to come. We've been brands plucked from the burning. Not a single one of you deserve to sit on that pew tonight. Not a single one of you deserve to sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But here you are with a song in your heart. God changed life. God gave you a new start in life. He forgave your past, forgave your future sins. You're on your way to heaven. You've got every reason in the world to be emotionally engaged in the worship of God. Praise His holy name. Not only do we see in these offerings emotional engagement, but we see faithful friendship. The sit-down meal after the peace offering is a picture of of our friendship with God. Think back to the latter portions of Genesis. Jacob and Laban, boy, they had it out for each other. All kinds of, of shady dealings. Of course, Jacob was a, a, a character in and of himself, and Laban was the one that switched the wives on the wedding night. I mean, both of them, just two peas in a pot. And they always had it out for each other. But in the end, their relationship was healed by a sit-down meal. They were reconciled together in their relationship when Laban graciously sat at the table that Jacob had provided. Oh, you see, that's what we find in this peace offering, a faithful friendship. You see, uh, they were finally reconciled. Laban ate at the meal provided by Jacob. Here, God, here, God is hosting a meal. He has invited you to the table of His friendship with him. God is hosting a meal in his house. You remember that uh, parable in the New Testament where Jesus tells of the man that made the meal and made many to come and he ends up saying, go out into the highways and the hedges that my house may be filled. God has spread a table. God has spread a place of blessing and we are invited. Psalms 23, 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Jesus is saying, Come and dine. Come and dine. The Master calleth. Come and dine. Come and dine on His goodness. Come and dine on His mercy. Come and dine on His faithfulness. Come and dine on His providence. Come and dine on His provisions. Oh, come and dine. It is a symbol of friendship. We have peace with God. We're invited to His table. I know some folks right well that if I walked up to their door and knocked on their door, I couldn't be, I wouldn't be invited to the table. I, I wouldn't be invited to the table of friendship. Oh, but I do know some folks that if I were to knock on their door, they'd fall over themselves to swing the doors wide and to seat me at the table and eat with them. I want to tell you, there's a God in this house tonight that's inviting every one of us to come and eat from His provision. Come to Jesus and eat from Him. It not only speaks of emotional engagement and faithful friendship, but it speaks of genuine joy. Remember Deuteronomy 7, uh, 12, 17 that references that peace offering meal? It says, There you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto ye and your household. Therein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. You see, good night. When most people come into church, you would think 
that they were coming into detention or they were coming into the holding cell at the local county jail. Listen, if that's the way you feel about this house, you'd be much better served if you just set up well. Right, no, I'll take what I can get. Amen. You just you just come on to church anyhow. Hopefully it'll break out on you after a while. I'll, tell, I'll retract that statement. You come on to church. But listen, some people come in this place and act like it's high school detention. When we come to this place, it's to be a celebration. It's to be a place of joy, not a funeral dirge. It's a place for hell-deserving sinners saved by God's grace come and they feast and they rejoice on God's goodness and mercy that has been given to them We were sinners on our way to hell when Christ plucked us from the burning and paid our sin debt. Now we come to His table. Oh, listen, I've got more to shout about than I ever had to pout about. God's been good. God is gracious. It's genuine joy that we're to experience. That's what this table depicts. Emotional engagement spontaneous. Oh, that's so good. I've got to bring him this. I've got to give him something. I've got to give him my best voice. I've got to give him my best offering. I've got to give him my best attention to his word. We see last of all, not only the difference in the peace offerings, the demonstrations of the peace offerings, the depictions of the peace offerings. Finally, I want you to see the designations of the peace offerings. So here you and I first century thousands of years since the book of Leviticus was am I telling you to bring in old bloody fat and old bloody kidneys and bring them in and put them in the offering plate brother Ronnie what kind of strange nonsense are you talking about well there are applications there are designations that this offering means to the New Testament believer I want you to see first of all we find church celebration is a designation of these offers. Church celebration. Let's take the most practical of these. You know, there's no sin, there's no wrong in us doing what we did this afternoon where everybody brings a meal and they put it on the table and we, we make our way through the line and fill our plates up with, with everything we're not supposed to eat and try, twice over on the dessert bar. And we sit down at a table and we fellowship as the people of God, as the redeemed. There ain't nothing in the world wrong with that. Matter of fact, the closest depiction of the peace offering meal is what we did just this afternoon. We sat down as the redeemed people of God, forgiven by God, and we sit down to eat a meal that is provided by God, that God gave us, that God graciously set before us. You say, well, Brother Ronnie, I prepared it. I cooked it. I cooked them beans. I made that pie. I made that cake. Well, God gave you the sense enough to know how to do it. God gave you the coordination to pull it in and out of the stove. God gave you the ability to make money to purchase the items. I'd say God gave you that. I'd say God provided all that for us. And we sat down and we ate a meal together. And we celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus. We celebrate. I think, I think God did nothing but smile on what we did this afternoon down in that gym. 
What a blessing it is to be in God, with God's people, to celebrate the provision of God, how good God has been to us, to, 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 to find ourselves celebrating His goodness and feeding off of His bounty. And also, there is not a blessing, uh, there's not a blessed thing wrong with enjoying the worship of God. And like I've said all through this message, that spontaneous lifting of a hand, that spontaneous shout, to the glory of God, that burnt offering that we give in this service. Oh, listen, He is the one that took my place on Calvary's cross. I deserve a, He deserves a war hoop every now and then. He deserves a hand to be raised. He deserves a, a, a standing up and saying God's been good, a testimony. He's deserving. That's a peace offering that not only blesses you, blesses Him, blesses us, and we leave here all full. Oh, listen. It is that church celebration. But finally, I want you to see also there is a hint of the commemorating communion. Not only church celebration, but commemorating communion. There's also the element of this peace offering that speaks to our communion or our Lord's Supper as we'd know it. You know, we do that every fifth Sunday night in this place. And we'll set aside that time and we'll, we'll observe the Lord's Supper. You see, because of the reconciliation of Christ's death on the cross, that birth has been given. We come to the table of worship bringing our best, cleansing ourselves of sin. Remember when we take that offering, we're supposed to inspect ourselves. We're supposed to look at what we're doing, what we've been doing, where we've been. We're supposed to make things right with God and be clean before God before we partake of that table. And in that table... We are observing the reconciliation between a sinful man and a holy God. We're invited to His table to become partakers of His grace. In that latter part in chapter number 7, I find it interesting that the third day that the peace offering meal was to be excluded. You could eat it day one, maybe even day two. But day three, don't you touch that food. Uh, because of probably sanitary reasons and, and vermin and things that would happen to meat. I had no refrigeration. I had no place to store it. So that meat would become corrupted on that third day. And they'd take that meat and throw it out and burn it onto the fire. There was all kinds of, of cleanliness. You read, we read that in your hearing. Of cleanliness issue. Clean and unclean. Dealing with that meat. I think about how that corresponds, you know, the third day is always a very interesting day in the Bible. The third day, whenever it's mentioned, you need to poke your ears up and say, what is God saying? That third day, that meat was no good when it come to the Lord Jesus. That third day, He got up from the tomb. What did David said? David did not allow his soul into hell, nor his flesh to see corruption. When we take that bread, what are we saying every time? This is my body which has been given for you. Thank God because of the resurrected Jesus Christ. There is no corruption in His body. That meat is good. That table is spread. It's an eternal table that is good for us to eat of perpetually. Therefore, we may ever feast upon the life of the person of the Lord Jesus. In closing, in 1874, Francis Havergale Capture the concept of God's perfect peace when she wrote, Like a river glorious, 
is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its broad increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed finding as He promised perfect peace and rest. There's peace in the Lord Jesus like we talked about this morning. There is peace and reconciliation. We have peace with our day spring. Our day spring, the light of Jesus Christ has brought peace into our hearts. I wonder, do you have peace with God? If you don't have peace with God, then you can't offer the peace offering. If you haven't had a burn offering, if you haven't had, if you haven't come to that altar and said nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. You cannot count on the peace of God. You cannot count on peace with God if you've never been reconciled by the offering of the dear Son of Jesus on the cross. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.